Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with David Diga Hernandez. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. see everyone. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? I'm happy to be here at Praise Chapel Paramount, and I love this new fish tank we have here. Look at this thing. This is not, Jacob, this is a nice job you did. Looks very good. And you and Mr. Robles, right? Let's hear it for Jacob Lopez and Mr. Robles. Renee Robles can do anything. Well, I am excited to be here. Good to see all of you here on a Wednesday night. And uh, I'm going to minister a word. I, I actually had an entirely different message I wanted to minister. It was going to be on God's judgment and his patience. And I was going to use Noah's Ark. It was going to be this whole thing. But then in the middle of worship, you guys, what song did you guys do, Steve? I was, I was pointing it out. It was something about Spirit Break Out. And the Holy Spirit just shifted me in direction. So I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. Well, I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And I'm going to begin this teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is something you may have heard me teach before. It's one of the teachings that I do quite often, but I haven't done it here in several years. And I'd say, I think it's almost been two years since I've done it here. So I'm going to begin teaching this. And I want you, if you have your Bible apps, pull it out. If you have your Bible, that's even better. Um, and so we're going to be all over the place. And Steve is just going to continue to play as I teach this. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all of this tonight. Um, most of this, you'll have to just, um, you'll have to just get it from YouTube. I got all of this on YouTube as well. And where are you going, brother? You're going to miss a great sermon. I'm just kidding. I have way too much fun, man. Okay. I need three people. Uh, Bonet, you know, I'm going to use you. And then Joseph, you work for me. So come here. He's visiting from another church. Uh, let's see, I need a third. No, no, Patrick, I won't do that to you. I need you for ushering. Don't worry. Let's see. who. I need a third person. Because for like like the... Can, nobody's going to volunteer? What? What? Okay, Mr. Duran. Well, not... Okay, zip your shirt up. You're going to be on live stream right now. All right. I need all of you guys to come up on the platform, please. Okay. You can stand here. All right. You've seen this a thousand times, and so have you. So here we go. Okay. I want everybody to say this. Say, I am a spirit who has a soul that lives in the body. Say it again. I am a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. One more time. I am a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. Okay, so that you can see the three of those, the body, soul, and spirit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now, I'm talking to you tonight about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and people have a lot of questions when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Questions like, okay, when did I receive the Holy Spirit? Is, a, is it is a second experience after salvation? What are the signs that I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're going to cover all that tonight. So I need each of you to play a different role here, okay? So you're going to be the Spirit. So look like the Spirit. 
No, 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 not like Karate Kid. I said, look like the spirit. All right. You're going to be the soul, so you're neutral. Be neutral. Don't smile. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but it's, it's the shirt that, that did it. You're, you're going to be the flesh, okay? Okay, so you're the flesh. All right. So, or body. So, so say body. Everybody, body. body. Soul. soul. Spirit. One more time. Good. Okay. Are you your body? Good. No. Are you your soul? Let's say it again. I am a spirit who has a that lives in the body. I am a who has a. Are you your soul? No. You are your spirit. Okay. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. We're going to read those few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 9. And this is one of my favorite things to teach right here. Is that Aria crying? Could you take her out of the service, please? She's being disruptive. There's a back room right over there. Thank you. I'm telling you, I have way too much fun with this. Okay, so, so for 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16, say this. Look at, look at her. Look at there she goes. Sorry, dear. If I, if, I, if, I, if I play favorites now, they'll all get mad at me. They'll say, you're always kicking my kid out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16, say this. Are you ready for it? It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, often you'll hear this portion of scripture read, and the preachers who use this verse will imply that it is talking about heaven or something later. In other words, oh, when you get to heaven, there'll be new colors, and when you get to heaven, there'll be new this and this and that and the other. And they use that verse to say, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind can know what God has in store. But in fact, it's not talking about heaven, and we know that because of the very next verse. Look what it says. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit and we have received God's spirit not the world's spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us Verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So I want you to notice here, first of all, before we read the rest of the portion of Scripture there, in verse number 11... The scripture tells us no one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. So the scripture there in verse 11 is describing this... This knowing that you would have about yourself that only you would have, your spirit. And then there's God's Holy Spirit, and only God would understand His Holy Spirit. So the depths of God are only understood by the Holy Spirit, and the depths of you are best understood by yourself. In other words, no one can know you like you know yourself except for God, and no one can know God like the Holy Spirit can know God. Now I want you to go back to verse 10. Because this is something very powerful that it says, and, and, and I used to read this, and I would just miss this. 
I would just kind of skim over the scripture. This is why when you read the Bible, it's important to take it in slowly. Read it verse by verse. Take it in word by word. And really receive understanding about what the scripture is saying. The Bible says in verse 10, But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything. I want you to really think about that. The Holy Spirit searches out everything that has to do with God. The Holy Spirit searches and understands the mind of God. The Holy Spirit searches and understands the presence of God. The Holy Spirit searches and understands the power of God, the nature of God, the wisdom of God, the plans of God. Everything about God, the Holy Spirit already knows already understands and then the bible goes on to say go now to verse 13 when we tell you these things we do not use words that come from human wisdom instead we speak words given to us by the spirit using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from god's spirit why because they don't have the holy spirit it all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means those who are spiritual can evaluate all things but they themselves cannot be evaluated for who can know the lord's thoughts who knows enough to teach him but we understand these things for we have the mind of christ think about that what is the mind of christ well the bible just told us the mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God. Think about what the scripture said in Daniel when, when it talks about how there was an excellent spirit in him. And with that excellent spirit, he was able to interpret dreams and apply wisdom from heaven to save the nation. The Holy Spirit is the omniscience of God. The Holy Spirit is the omnipresence of God. The Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ. And you and the Holy Spirit are joined as one. Okay, so your spirit, before you were saved, was non-existent. The scripture describes you as being dead in your trespasses. In other words, before you came to know Jesus, you were non-existent as far as the spirit goes. All that was about you was your soul and your body. You notice that Jesus says, don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body, but be afraid of the one who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. You notice there, he doesn't mention the spirit. Because those that are born again don't go to hell, they go to heaven. So the scripture is talking there about the destruction of the soul and the body, but those who are on their way to hell, those who are unredeemed, are the ones who do not have a spirit. Now, the Spirit, as the Scripture says in the portion that we just read, is your communication with God. It's almost like your phone not having the ability to connect with Wi-Fi. Your phone, we take that ability out. It's completely off. What, what good is it at that point to most of you? Some of you don't even want to pay for the phone, phone bill or the plan. You just get Wi-Fi and you try to find hotspots everywhere. <laughs> the signal completely, completely gone. Completely destroyed. We had no ability whatsoever to reach out to God. Not only did we have no ability to reach out to God, we had no desire within us to reach out to God. 
Without the Holy Spirit, not only could you not be spiritual, but you would have no desire to be spiritual. So the very fact that you're sitting here tonight means that God's Holy Spirit drew you here because you were drawn to spiritual things. So, the Spirit is our communication with God. The Spirit is where we receive love and joy and peace. Before you were saved, it was not there. This is why Jesus said that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, which is spiritual, you must be born not once of the flesh, but born again of the Spirit. You have to exist in the Spirit in order to enter spiritual things. Are you following me, church? Okay, so the Spirit receives from the Lord. The Spirit is in communion with God. People often ask me, how do I get closer to the Holy Spirit? And I always tell them the same thing. And it confuses them at first. They say, how do I get closer to the Holy Spirit? I tell them, you can't. And that's the good news. The Holy Spirit cannot get any closer than within you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the fullness of power that Jesus had. You did not receive a new convert, Holy Spirit. You did not receive a baby Holy Spirit. You did not receive a portion of the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to Jesus, you received the fullness of the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Complete, non-stop. No, you're the Spirit. You don't clap. You don't have hands. So you received everything that God had for you. Complete and full. Now the scripture says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Here you're connected with God. Here you have fellowship with him. Here there is no separation. This is why when Christians say things like, oh, I prayed to get connected with God. Or I worshiped to draw closer with God. They're mistaken. You don't pray to connect with God. You pray from connection with God. You don't worship to connect with God. You worship from connection with God, that which has already been established. So the Spirit is how you commune with God. The Spirit is one with the Holy Spirit. There are not two of you in there. There's not your Spirit and the Holy Spirit. You join together, one, union, complete and, and whole in the Spirit. Now then there is your soul. Soul is the mind, the will, the emotions, what I think, what I want, what I feel. It's your personality. It's the realm of decision. It's the neutral ground. It's where you decide whether or not you're going to live according to the Spirit or according to the things of this world. Your body, we will call it your earth suit. In other words, it's how you communicate with the world around you. It's how you eat. It's how you sleep. It's how you interact with one another. This is your physical interaction with the realm of the earth. This is your connection with Scripture says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So this is how you stay tethered to the earth. This is how you stay connected here. Now, the question then comes, when is the Holy Spirit received? Well, I want to show you something. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read verse 9, then I'm going to jump down to verses 14 and 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This is what the Scripture says. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them 
do not belong to him at all. Now look up at me for a second. So, so those who don't have the Holy Spirit don't belong to God. You've heard it said, we're all children of God. The scripture says that's not so. The children of God are the ones who've been drawn by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit and sealed with the Holy Spirit and connected with the Holy Spirit. And that is what creates this oneness between us and our Father. And so the Holy Spirit, go now to verse 14 through 16, leads us. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit. There's that union again. To affirm that we are God's children. That oneness is affirmation. If you doubt your salvation, if you're constantly wondering whether or not you belong to Jesus then what you need is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because He is the one that causes you to cry, Abba, Father. He is the one who convinces you or confirms the fact that you have been saved. So when is the Holy Spirit received? At salvation. It couldn't be otherwise. We can see that from the Scripture. So then this begs the question, what does the Bible mean when it says receive the Holy Spirit, especially when it's talking to believers? I'm going to show you something. Body, soul, spirit. Many Christians live like this. They have everything that God wants to give to them. All the power they could ever ask for. You don't need more power, you need more surrender. It's not a matter of how much you, you need to get of the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of how much the Holy Spirit needs to get of you. It's not more and more and more. It's surrendering. It's less and less and less of self. The Holy Spirit, one of the symbols of the Spirit is water. Water fills the empty spaces. You cannot be full of the Holy Spirit if you're full of yourself. We need to focus instead on the Spirit. But some of us are like this. God has the power for us. There's love. There's joy. There's peace of mind. There's the affirmation of salvation. There's power. There's gifting. There's confidence. All of it in Christ. And it's all available. We don't need to have it. We don't need to receive it. We've already received it. It's available. We just need to activate it. But some of us live like this. And instead of living from the inside out, we live from the outside in. Think about how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works from the inside out. In other words, he, he works on the inner nature first. And that inner nature, when it's transformed, manifests as new actions, new behaviors. Religion tries to change the behavior without changing the heart. It gives you the what without giving you the why. But the Holy Spirit first changes the nature and the behaviors follow. The Holy Spirit works from the inside out. The enemy works from the outside in. Jesus said, if what, if what causes you to stumble? Your eye, your hand. Those are all outward expression. The scripture says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. And the scripture also says, I won't behold an evil thing. That is how the enemy enters. Through the words of others. Through deception of the world. It all comes through the outer experience. Now the Holy Spirit, when he comes on a life, I like to say he comes in suddenly like a mighty rushing wind. Like in the book of Acts chapter 2. 
But then, if you ignore him, his influence leaves like a whisper. The enemy is just the opposite. The enemy comes in very sneaky. You don't know he's grabbing a hold of you. But when he leaves, you better believe it's going to be loud. Some of you see me cast out demons right here. There's a manifestation. There's, there's, there's a contortion. There's a violent act. I heard a powerful man of God tell me that whenever somebody acts violently under the anointing, it's because they have a demon in them. And it's because there's that power struggle. So the Holy Spirit works from the inside out. He comes on loudly, leaves quietly. The enemy works from the outside in. He comes in quietly, but he leaves loudly. And so the Holy Spirit, trying to work with us, giving us all that we need, can't get our attention because we're so focused on sickness that we may have. We're so focused on relationships that may be falling apart. We're so focused on our financial standing. We're focused on our dreams not being accomplished or our goals not being accomplished. We're focused on all the cares, all the responsibilities, all that the world has to offer, and we allow that to affect the mood inside instead of that which doesn't change. This is why some of you are up and down and up and down and up and down. One day you're doing well, the next day you're not. One day you feel like praying, the next day you don't. One day you're in the Word, the next day you're not. One Sunday you're worshiping, the next Sunday you're standing there with your arms crossed. It's because you're living based on the outside instead of on the inside. You're focused on things that can change. I said this a few weeks ago. Someone said, well, well, God has a wonderful plan for my life. And the implication is that Christians don't have to suffer. What about Stephen the martyr? What about, what about the apostles? What about John, who, who was boiled in oil and then thrown on an island to die? That was God's wonderful plan for them. See, if you buy into the idea that Jesus just wants to change your circumstance, then you'll be disappointed and disillusioned and you'll feel betrayed when he doesn't. But if you recognize that it's the inside that he wants to transform, then you'll receive that and it'll never change the joy. There's a song that goes, and you know it, turn your eyes upon Jesus. How do the words go again? It goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Why don't you just play it while I preach it? It's a simple, simple word. But some of us are so focused on things that change things that don't matter things that in eternity aren't going to be of any consequence think about everyone who received a miracle from Jesus in the New Testament everyone who Jesus touched and did a miracle for they're dead now you know Lazarus whom he raised from the dead he died again why? because the circumstances here on this earth are not God's priority for you his priority is what's on the inside. So how does this have to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm teaching you spiritual foundational truths that matter when it comes to this. Why does that matter? Because the second experience is not about receiving the Holy Spirit. It's about releasing Him. At salvation, I receive Him in my spirit. The baptism is when the floodwaters flood me. Now, where does the flood come from? Think about in, in I, I was actually going to preach on this, but I just realized there's a correlation there right now because I was going to preach on Noah's Ark. When the flood came, it said the fountains of the deep broke open. In other words, the floodwaters came from, the, from deep within the earth. Some also theorize that they came from, from above, which is a, it's a whole, that's an amazing theory, but 
the floodwaters came from deep within. What does John chapter 7 verse 38 say? It says, out of your belly shall what? Flow rivers of living water. Do you know what that word belly means? The translation, a more accurate one is? Out of your innermost being. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That's why I like that song, Spirit Break Out. That's really what the baptism of the Spirit is. It's a flood not from without. It's a flood from within. It's a flood that begins to overtake you, not from your circumstances to your spirit, but from your spirit to your circumstance. You know, historians talk about how the Titanic sank. And in order for the Titanic to sink, it had to give up certain compartments. You see, as long as there is air or enough air in something, it has buoyancy, it floats, it doesn't sink. It's only when air has been taken out and filled with water that it gives it the weight it needs to sink. So the Titanic, one of the reasons why they thought it couldn't sink, this is from a sermon that Pastor Omar preached. I forget, it was a series that we did. And he was talking about how some people try to compartmentalize their lives. And I thought about this and said that that could apply to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because when we close off the Holy Spirit from different aspects of our lives, we remain afloat. The word baptism in the Greek, it has a very simple meaning. It, seem, it simply means to be overcome all around and within, to be submerged, to be pushed under the water. Baptism is when I'm in the water and the water is in me. When I'm submerged in the river. You see, the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing river. And some of you, your Christianity, you want to just take little convenient sips when you're thirsty. I need a miracle. I'll take a little sip. I'm not feeling so good today in worship. I'm going to sing a song a little bit, see if I can get a little sip from the river. And you can get your sips from the river, but it's not until you get into the river yourself that you begin to really experience the flow of the Spirit. See, so long as I'm taking sips, so long as I'm keeping him where I want him, I'm in control. But the baptism of the Spirit is when you jump in the river and the river gets in you. And you say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hold back anything. I don't want to compartmentalize. You see, some of you say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you can have my ministry, but you can't have my unforgiveness. You say, Holy Spirit, you, you, can, have, you can have my marriage, but you can't touch my finances. I said, Holy Spirit, you can have my marriage, but you can't touch my finances. I said, Holy Spirit, you can have my marriage, but you can't touch my finances. We try to limit his influence. We hold on to things in our lives and we say, you can have every other area, but this one I'm going to keep. This little secret pet sin, I'm, I'm not going to even try to fight. I'm just going to go with the flow with that one. Where the Holy Spirit is trying to get a hold of you and you're not going to be submerged so long as there are compartments in your life that are not filled with the Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply the flood from within. Overcoming you, filling every aspect. It flows from the Spirit to the mind, the will, the emotions, your personality. And then it begins to manifest outwardly. That's the flow of the Spirit. Now, sometimes this manifestation comes out as gifts of healing. But the primary manifestation of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and so forth. It even comes out as the manifestation of speaking in tongues, which I will not have time to go into tonight. 
But all of these are manifestations, not something that comes from without, but of something that comes from within. They're manifestations, and their starting point is deep within. That floodgate that opens up and says, Holy Spirit, have your way. When you finally begin to release it. You see, some of you have built a dam in your heart. You say, Holy Spirit, you can come this far and that's it. You can come far enough to give me my miracle, but not far enough to make me sacrifice anything. Jesus, you can be my Savior, but I don't want you as Lord. You stop the waters from flowing. You say things like, well, I was raised this way, and that's just how I am. I was taught this way, and that's just what I believe. You know, there are many things that we believe that are not biblical. I don't care where you learned it from. I don't care if you learned it growing up. I don't care if you learned it in our corrupt school systems. I don't care if you learned it from a Hollywood movie. I don't care if you learned it from someone who was very close to you. If it's not in the Bible, if it contradicts the word, it, it cannot be in you. It cannot be in you. What we try to do is conform things instead of just jumping in the river and saying, Holy Spirit, have your way. So when we live like this, we're blocking the flow of the Spirit. Everything on the outside transforms me on the inside. This is why some of you are in emotionally unstable. This is why some of you are spiritually undedicated. This is why like half a dozen people are walking out right when I'm preaching right now. Because the flow, we don't understand the flow of the Spirit. The river goes from the inside. Some of you are waiting for a breakthrough. And I don't, I don't know if I even like that word anymore, breakthrough. Because it's like, it's so abused nowadays. Breakthrough in the mind of the Christian basically means the day I never have to struggle again. The day all my problems go away. My breakthrough is coming. Your season is here. Some of you have been in the frigid winter for season after season. <laughs> and every new year you're like, last year and then this year and then never happens. I'll tell you why. Because you're looking for an, a change in the outer circumstance instead of the transformation on the inside that was actually promised. Your breakthrough is not going to come through some dramatic change in outward circumstance. You imagine your breakthrough as the check in the mail. You imagine your breakthrough as getting out of the wheelchair. You imagine your breakthrough as your spouse coming and saying, I was wrong all along. That's how you imagine your breakthrough. I'm serious. That's how we imagine it. But what if your breakthrough doesn't come through some dramatic outward change in circumstance, but instead a small internal shift? And now, it doesn't matter what's happening out here because I got all the joy I need right here. It doesn't matter how chaotic things are over here. Because I have peace in my heart here. It doesn't matter what people do or say. Because whatever they may do or say is powerless when I walk in the love of the Spirit. This is one of the reasons why I believe Paul the Apostle wrote. 
I may be pressed, but I'm not crushed. I may be persecuted out here, but I'm never abandoned over here. And you can never, you, you may be able to strike me down, but I can never be destroyed. I am a spirit who has a soul that lives in body. Thank you, gentlemen. You can go back. That's the baptism of the spirit. Now, the manifestations that come with it, yes, are powerful. But they themselves are simply manifestations of something greater going on inside of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when you say, Holy Spirit, I surrender. I give you my own. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.